You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And good afternoon, Twins Territory. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. It is a gorgeous Sunday for baseball here in downtown Minneapolis. Twins and the Angels wrapping up this three-game weekend series. The rubber match coming up here just after 1 o'clock today. Dylan Bundy, right-hander for the Twins, and lefty Jose Suarez, a six-game winner opposing for the Angels. We welcome you to our Sunday show, and our guest on our Sunday program is the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. Always great to have Thad Levine on the program. And Thad, thanks for joining us as always, and good afternoon to you, my friend. Uh, fabulous to be here. Thank you, thank you for having me on. And here we sit, 74-78, uh, and 78, and this is the final homestand of the season. In fact, the final home weekend of the season. Twins stay home. White Sox are in town for three starting on Tuesday. Then the Twins will wrap up the year, of course, on the road in Detroit and Chicago, and how quickly this turned uh, to where the, the team is at right now. And I guess I'll throw this out in kind of a broad sense, but at what point did the, did the spiral really begin for you in the front office when this thing went south? You know, I, I think we try to stay as objective as we possibly can. So in good times and in bad, we're evaluating the team. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've just seen this accumulation of, of injuries that has become very challenging for us to overcome. And I, and I think, unfortunately, Maybe four or five weeks ago, we answered the question of how many injuries were too many injuries to sustain uh, excellence at the major league level. We, we saw the team fight and falter for, for a little while there. Um, but then, you know, a combination of the Cleveland Indians going off and our injuries mounting uh, proved to be a real challenge for us to overcome. I think we had been waiting all season to, for, for a run in our division. I think the pundits would have said it was going to come out of Chicago. It came out of Cleveland. A uh, lot of respect for the, the White Sox and the Indians. We always did, through, I'm sorry, the Guardians mm-hmm. throughout the season. Uh, but the, the, the challenge did become a little bit too much for us to, to weather, I think, at some point. Do you know off the top of your head, in terms of injuries and days lost for the team this year, where that ranks in terms of league average? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, and when you first see the number, you, you pass out and you hit the floor and someone revives you a little bit later. It's, it's a staggering figure. Uh, you know, we are, the, the twins are ranking towards the bottom of the league uh, relative to days on the IL, which is to say we have, I think, the second or third most. It's kind of vacillated between a few teams. And, you know, in contrast, the, Cl- the Cleveland Guardians are first. And I think that's probably the statistic that we'll look back at this season and mull over as long as any in terms of the separation between those two franchises. Uh, one team was able to keep their best players on the field for a preponderance of the games. Uh, we were not able to do that. And, you know, I think it, it, you, know, you have to look at that from all sorts of angles to try to address it. There's some luck involved. There's some acute injuries that, that took place. But then we have to look ourselves in the mirror and understand what could we have controlled in the process and what could we have done better. How do you do that? How, how do you do that internally? And how do you say, okay, 
yes, we lost guys and a, a, a ton of players to these injuries, but but the why, mm. the how and the why, how, how, do you, how do you dig into that? I, I think it's vital that you stay objective through that process because if you actually look over the last two, three, four years, we, we, the Twins were much closer to league average in terms of injury, injuries. So this season stands out as an anomalous season. So I think you, you really just have to be objective. We've had a lot of acute injuries, and those are really difficult to prevent. You know, whether that's a tearing of a knee or a breaking of a thumb or a tearing of a, an abdominal muscle, like th- those things are acute and you really can't do a whole lot to prepare. The, the injuries that we try to focus on as best we can in terms of things that you can control are the soft tissue, the, the strained hamstring, the strained calf, the quad. And we really haven't had too many of those injuries at all throughout the course of this season. So those are the ones that you would hope through strength and conditioning programming, performance programming, you could try the best you can to prevent. Every team has a certain percentage of those, but you could try to reduce those. The reality is that's not where we've had most of our injuries. We've had more arm injuries. We've had more of those surgically required acute injuries. So I think we just need to be as objective as we possibly can, not just figure we can roll the balls out there and do better. We've got to try to improve as best we can, but also not overreact to it. The, the injuries and the days that are lost with the soft tissue setbacks as opposed to the acute injuries that you referenced there, are, you, are those able to decipher and to find out, okay, we had a plan with, with, with these guys, and you know Rocco's a big proponent of rest, but looking back reflectively this season, even last year, is that really the, the most applicable plan? The, it, it, keeping these guys off the field and doing all the simulated work inside, or would they be better off doing more game speed activity on the field? And, and I think it's an excellent question and one we're going to need to soul search on. I also don't think it's systemic across a whole group of people. I think this is individualized per player, and I think that's where there's been so many advancements in our sport, which is we used to have a program for all of our players. We now have individualized programs for each individual player because each guy's you know constructed a little bit different physiologically you know and so I think understanding the tissue each guy has that they bring to the table the ability to play through discomfort versus some guys can't the distinction candidly between pain and an injury which I think is personalized to every single individual there's some of our players who are playing through today what you would consider something worthy of putting a guy on the IL for other guys aren't able to play through that so I think it's customizing programs but also evaluations for each individual player well moving ahead will players still have the option to to come up with their own plan if no 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 I want to do my own thing or does does the manager or the front office have to interject and say that's great but that hasn't worked because your plan has kept you off the field you need to trust us, and we have to come up with something new to get you ready to play a full season. I think you're shedding light on one of the biggest moments of progress in baseball over the last 10 years, which is before we had a very small medical staff that was capable that's capable of handling only a very small amount of day-to-day needs. So players were seeking alternative care outside of the building, and the problem was we weren't really aware of what was going on, so our medical staff was running a program that, by and large, they didn't actually control. We've now tried to bring as many of those skill sets in-house, and the ones that aren't in-house, we've embraced. So, you know, when a, a player has a someone they're working with outside of the our four walls, we try to collaborate with them just to incorporate what they're doing into our programs. We know players are going to seek help elsewhere. That That's just a reality of the game. We're trying to bring as much of that into our the fabric of what we're doing so that it's not running uh, you know, counter to what we're doing, but rather supporting our programs as well. You know, Byron Buxton spoke uh, with uh, with Twins Media yesterday, and, and, and so many wrote about this today. And Byron said that slide in Boston on the first road trip of the year, he realized at that point that his knee at some point was probably 
he was going to need surgery at some point, try to put that off to play to be there for his teammates. But did you have a sense all along that that surgery was not possible, but but probable with, with Byron all along here? So, you know, I, I think Byron is such a microcosm of what's happened this season. You know, we know the track record with him. He's played the ma- vast majority of the season with what we, we would deem an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, his intestinal fortitude to get through the first, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of the season was pretty remarkable. We weren't 100% clear at the outset whether or not this was going to be resolved by surgery. And still to this day, I, you know, we, we still need to figure out once they go in and see what they see that, you know, we're going to obviously leave it up to the surgeons the medical practitioners to give us counsel on that. But I think if we thought it was a very easy fix surgically, we would have done something a long time ago. This was just something that was going to be uncomfortable for him that he was going to need to manage. Now that the season is, you know, where it is, I think we're, we're going to try to address it surgically so that it can be repaired. And ideally, he comes into spring training next year unencumbered. But that's yet to be determined based upon how the surgery proceeds. And the surgery will take place on Tuesday. And is that going to be done here in town? That is going to be done here in town. Byron will stick around for a little bit of the rehab and, you know, the post-operative meetings with the, with the doctors. And then he'll head back home to start his rehab. All right. So that's the plan for Byron Buxton. We'll take a break, come back. We'll talk more injury, get some updates on Polanco and Kepler and Malley and other guys as well. From Thad Levine, it's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. And our Sunday show continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Angels coming up at 110. Bundy and Suarez to wrap up this series. Twins are off Monday. White Sox in town for three, beginning on Tuesday night. Thad Levine, Twins GM, is our guest here on our Sunday show. We spent the first segment discussing the overall, you know, issue the Twins have had on the injury front. We dove into Byron Buxton. What about other guys here? Are seasons officially over for, say, Polanco and Kepler at this point? So those two guys are rehabbing as we speak, I think with the goal in mind of returning to the big leagues. Uh, that being said, as you referenced, we, we've got, as of tomorrow, three series left. So there is a little bit of a calendar we're fighting against, and we're not going to necessarily put them in harm's way by accelerating their uh, their rehab beyond what our medical practitioners believe is safe and secure. But right now, though, both those guys are rehabbing with intent of playing. All right, so we're not we're not shutting them down yet. Their seasons are not officially over just yet. On the pitching side, Gray and Malley. I mean, Rocco was saying with 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 Gray, he was holding out hope that he could pitch maybe in that second to last or last game of the season if there was something to play for that's not looking too likely at this point so Sonny Gray Tyler Malley done for the year um you know I I think we we were we're, as they said in Monty Python we're not we're not dead yet um (laughs) and so I I think we still hold out hope that they could contribute at the end but I think we're going to be mindful of exactly what you just said there that if those games aren't as central to our success like we're probably going to try to put them in the best position to be 100 percent healthy coming into next year uh, something that that i just taking away from our first segment that the entire staff will look at is as to why and the how the injuries happen at the rate that they did shifting the conversation now to pitching and specifically length and starting pitching will that be something that you'll examine as well as to the plan that we had with the, the team and the starters not to let them face that lineup too often that third time Will that be looked at as well? Will that be studied by the staff as well to see why the innings weren't there collectively for the staff? Yeah, I, I think the short answer is we're going to study everything. You know, this season fell a little bit short of our expectations. 
And for that reason, I think we're going to look at it from 360 degrees. You know, I think there's success models out there that we've drawn on in the past that really are on either ends of the spectrum. The Tampa Bay model, uh, which where they, they were probably one of the teams that actually uses fewer innings out of their starting pitchers than we do. The other end of the spectrum, but also successful, is the Cleveland model, uh, where Terry Francona does ride his starting pitchers probably a little bit more than almost any team out there. And as a result, they're, they're also experiencing success. So I think there's not just one way to do this. The way that we did it this year, I think, was sound logically without question. In practice, did it yield the results that we had hoped, which was heightened qualitative performance from your starting uh, group, but also heightened health? I think we have to be reflective on that point. I don't know that it necessarily means that we abandon the plan. I think we need to refine the plan. But there are success models out there across the entire spectrum. We're going to study each of them and see which applies best to the personnel we have. Seeing Cleveland and that that starting staff, and so many of those guys are homegrown. They were drafted and developed by that by that organization. And you see the McKenzies and the Plesaks and the Savalis, and some better than others, at going consistently deep and deeper into games. For those guys and that organization, does that happen down at the minor league level? Are they beginning to start? throwing six, seven innings, that lineup that third time, beginning, say, a double-A? You know, I, I, I don't want to give all the credit to a singular person, but I do think the person most influential in that is Terry Francona. Okay. You know, I think historically throughout his career, when he's managed, he's managed a, a starting rotation with that in mind, uh, which is, you know, more of the goal line is the seventh, eighth inning versus fifth, sixth inning. And so I think that's something that he's been highly influential in. And, and quite frankly, they, they've been really rewarded for it. So I think no reason for them to stop. So I, I think it's more philosophically connected to the manager, perhaps, and the pitching coach of the big league than it is throughout their whole minor league system. So is that a part of Rocco's maturation as, as a manager, still among the younger managers in the game, that he has all the data, but at times – at times, maybe put the data aside and, and incorporate your gut and, and a feel on a given night? Well, you know, I, I think if you look at the numbers, and really the central point that we view in this is the third time through, the third time that a, a hitter gets to see a pitcher, it's an extreme swing to an advantage towards the hitter. Whereas when you have a bullpen, which we think is a competitive advantage, typically that first time seeing the reliever is just such an advantageous matchup relative to that third time for the starting pitcher. So from a just logical standpoint, very few people would look at those numbers and say the right decision is to keep the starting pitcher in the game. So I don't think there was any flaw in the decision making. What what actually transpired from the point where we made that decision didn't play out quite as well as we'd like. But I think that's where you have to separate the outcome from the process. I think the process is still sound. We do have to acknowledge the outcome wasn't exactly what we had hoped for. I think another thing which certainly muddied the water for us is if you look at our games, the, entering the fifth and sixth inning, a preponderance of those games, we were plus or minus two runs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to leave that starting pitcher in that third time through when you're staring that that difference in those numbers in the face when you're up five, six, seven runs. We just have had very few games of that nature. So when all the games are tight, all those decisions are really pivotal, and they're on the margins, and they're, they're going to be scrutinized a lot more. Yeah, something that, that always comes up because we, we see those same numbers and discuss that heavily, but then we often forget to, to, to discuss the reliever, the guy that's coming in. Well, maybe he just threw the night before, and his ERA throwing back-to-back -back nights is not the same as it is if he's going on, on, on a day's rest. So does that get factored in as well that ideally, yes, that, that third time the numbers don't look good, but 
we just can't lean on Jax or Theobar again because they've thrown back-to-back or three out of four. Yeah, and, and the projection systems do the best they can to prognosticate the degradation of a player pitching on back-to-back or two out of three or three out of four. And there's a sensitivity with each individual pitcher, so it's not uniformly applied. So cer- certain guys on our staff, you know, Emilio Pagan can pitch a lot more frequently than some other guys. He just bounces back a lot quicker. So there's certain guys who the degradation is not as dramatic as others, but it is sensitive to each individual player. The system is knocking them down, and those numbers are reflected in the sheet that we provide. Rocco, Pete Mackey, Jace Tingler before the game, and, and it impacts their decision-making. Joe Ryan last night uh, being lifted after four innings and the pitch count down. Was, was some of the thinking behind that, the innings that he has piled up in his first full major league season? I think it was twofold. I think that's exactly right. You know, we are mindful as we get to the end of the season. We focused a lot of this conversation on the guys who've been hurt. Uh, By and large, he's been healthy and he's been pitching quite consistently. So there are a few guys in our staff right now who are accumulating innings at a level that they've never really pitched before. So we want to be mindful of that uh, in their workload. So I think that factored in. Secondarily, the unfortunate reality of not uh, being on a real good run right now is that a lot of our winning pieces were quite rested and we actually wanted to get them in the game in light of the fact that they hadn't pitched and we have an off day Monday. Day. So it worked out well to get a lot of those guys some, some work last night. One more thought going back to injuries before we take our last break. Uh, Trevor Larnick and Ryan Jeffers are both rehabbing with the Saints. What's what's their timetable about coming back? So here? progressing progressing pretty well. You know, Trevor had a little bit of a setback with his wrist. He's coming back from an abdominal uh, surgical issue that he has recovered from. But now he had a little bit of a wrist issue. It was just not uncommon for a guy who hadn't been swinging the bat too much now that he's swinging the bat as frequently as he has. So we're just letting that calm down for a minute. He's actually here today working with our medical staff and getting some rehab. And then Jeffers caught last night, and I think he's getting pretty close at this point. All right, sounds good. That's that. Levine will come back and wrap up our Sunday show. Inside Twins concludes next on your home for Twins Baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Angels coming up in just a bit. We'll have the Donna Realty pregame show with Chris at 12.30, first pitch at 1.10. Dylan Bundy and lefty Jose Suarez to wrap up the uh, weekend series. When the season does end, and Twins GM Thad Levine is our guest during our Sunday show. The season ends a week from Wednesday. Twins wrap up in Chicago. As a staff, what happens next? What what does Thursday and Friday look like next week? So, you know, and I and I hate to speak with any sort of shade on the season, but if, if we do not end up playing the playoffs, I think the thing that you have to take advantage of is that 30-day window where other teams are playing in the playoffs. You, you have to take advantage of trying to plan, evaluate, assess, so that you have a step ahead of those those teams that are playing in the playoffs. And so you're leveling the playing field a little bit heading into next season. So I think we immediately go into review mode uh, once the season ends, where we try, as we mentioned earlier in the show, to, to objectively evaluate everything that transpired this season, understand where we there are pockets of opportunities for us to get better. 
Uh, but we already have planned meetings next week with our player personnel department to talk about the upcoming free agent class. So we're not going to miss a beat. There's really no downtime for us at that point. We, we're going to stay uber focused on how do we improve this team, both from keeping our, our star players on the field, but what types of players do we need to add to this mix to try to maintain the competitive level that we aspire to have in the American League Central. Wins and losses aside, collectively in the minor leagues, how did that go for the organization in 2022? Guys that you needed to stake to take significant steps forward, did that hap- did that happen or did it not or did the guys stay, you know, pretty much where they were at? So, you know, I think you've heard us talk in the past about wanting to have waves of players coming and we've been always reluctant to name exactly who those players are and the reason is that each individual path is is so unique and sometimes whether it's health or just hiccups along the way, people move forward faster or slower than you expect. So to answer your question more directly, there were players at the top of our prospect board that we thought were going to be impactful in 2022 who had setbacks this year. Similarly, we had guys who were the wave right behind them who vaulted forward. So I think as a collective, the farm system did extremely well. Was it exactly the players we expected? No, but that's why we don't name them. So we've had, we do have waves that are going to hit the beach. We had waves that hit the beach this year, and we have some on, on the horizon that were very very excited about fall league the guys that are heading to the fall league uh their future promising yes yes we 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 believe so and and these are guys that we think could benefit from playing at a heightened level of competition for for a couple weeks and for further evaluation because we think those are some of the players that could really be factoring in whether it's the beginning of 2023 or as 2023 unfolds they're the next line of defense for us and we're excited about them and getting back to to the offseason plans and, and thinking about what this team will need, and it's not just going to be one thing. I'm sure there's going to be many areas that you guys discuss and try to improve upon. Just thinking about that broadly, can you pinpoint an area or two that you think is going to be the focal point to, to make this team you know, better come 2023? Well, you know, the, 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 the moves we made at the trade deadline uh, were really with an eye towards having players that we could carry forward. So as we look at this team, health withstanding, uh, we have very few free agents, uh, really. I mean, we have a handful that are, are of significance. Clearly, you know, shortstop and, and catcher are going to be two that we're going to be hyper-focused on, but we, we hope that we have some inroads in bringing back some of those guys as well. Hey, Thad, thanks for your time today on the show, and we'll catch up here pretty soon. Thank you for having me. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for joining us here on our Sunday show, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's our memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Angels coming up in just a bit. Pre-game with Chris is coming up next. And then we'll have game three at 110. Dylan Bundy and Jose Suarez to wrap up the series. We thank you for joining us. More to come right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.